Well, uh, last night was daylight savings time. How are you all doing? Did you wake up with a spring in your step this morning after losing that hour last night? Uh, I much prefer the fall where you, you gain an hour. I, I think most of us are kind of wired up that way. Some of you might be like, hey, I loved it. You know, I wanted to get up early, so that was great. But uh, we know we lost an hour, but it helps us out in the long run, right? We get a little bit more daylight during the day. Night is a little bit longer off as we get to the evening. Uh, they tell us we're going to save all this money on our energy bills, so that's a plus as well. Um, but, you know, those of us that enjoy the night, it's a little bit harder to see that being, you know, coming later in the evening. But to be honest, darkness isn't great for, for many of us, especially when you want to be sleeping and you're in the dark. It's not great. Uh, darkness is not always what we hope it will be and expect it to be. There's a, a physical reaction when you don't get enough sunlight, actually. It's called seasonal affective disorder. Maybe you've heard of it, but when you don't get enough sunlight, you have to make up for it. And they, create, they have lamps now that have UV light that help you kind of catch up on the sunlight you might be missing if you live up in the Arctic Circle or Alaska or those kinds of places where it's darker uh, during different seasons of the year. And I, I don't know about how you guys handle nighttime darkness, but I get scared at night sometimes. Um, especially when I had little kids. Any of you have little kids or grandkids that would come up to the bedside in the middle of the night and need something from you, kind of wake you up, ever have that happen to you? Uh, when Angela and I got married, Haven was about nine years old, and she was still doing this at times. She would come up in the middle of the night, and she would come to my side of the bed. And, and since um, she, you know, she didn't want to wake up Angela as well, she was kind that way. She would whisper, but there's nothing more terrifying than a little kid <laughs> whispering in the darkness, Dad, I can't sleep. You know, and you wake up and their face is right here, you know. And then uh, Angela wasn't used to that. So it would always wake her up as well just because she's a light sleeper. And it would scare Angela. And she would scream because she's not used to being woke up in the middle of the night. So I'd have one little haven on this side going, Dad. And Angela over here going, Ah, what's going on? You know, and it was just terrifying for me. So, yeah, darkness at night's not great for me. And I do that typical dad thing when the kids say, can they stay out late? I say, hey, nothing good happens after dark. You know, be home by eight. That's when you need to be home. Um, <laughs> darkness, right? Physical darkness is one thing, but spiritual darkness is even more important for us to consider this morning. The, the Bible talks about darkness as a reality of life separated from God who created each one of us. That when we try to live life apart from him, it's like living in the darkness. God created you for life and for light. We are created for a relationship with the one who made us. And when we're not in relationship with us, it's like we're in the dark. Ooh, it's getting darker. It's like we are in the dark. Around Christmas, we read uh, these stories of the prophets in the Old Testament. And they talked about the people living in darkness have seen a great light. This promise of the one who would come, that Jesus was coming to be light for us. It's one of the ways you can describe people waiting for the world to change, that they're in darkness and they're waiting for this authentic connection with their God, an awareness of what he's doing in the world. They couldn't see because the light had not yet come. And then Jesus came. And in John chapter 8, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I am the light. John chapter 8, we read these words. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The light of life. This is one of the ways to think about light and dark. Light is like life and dark is like death. And Jesus said, he is the light. I've got lights up here this morning. We're going to turn them on one at a time. Jesus is light. He is the light of the world, Scripture tells us. He said that to his followers 
Light is a mysterious thing for us. Physical light, it's, it's around us all day long. It exists, but its existence is pretty mysterious to most of us. We know that light is electromagnetic radiation, that it exists in little packets of energy called photons, and they move like waves, but they also move as particles, and, and this is an unknown thing. We, there's many theories about how light operates, but it's still not fully understood. And light travels at an incredibly fast speed. Anybody know how, tra- how fast light travels? Speed of light, someone said. That's right. Yes. I hear, there it is. Yes, 186,000 miles per second, right? Just over that, actually. A little bit more than that. Give or take a couple miles per second, right? Um, and it moves constantly. It doesn't slow down when you move away from it. It continues to move at you at the same rate of speed. This is weird to think about. It doesn't follow the law of physics. So if you were to, let's say you're out on, on Nall here, and a car is coming at you at 45 miles an hour. And instead of jumping out of the way, you turn around and run the opposite direction, right? You're, you're going to outrun the car. So you start to run, and you get going really fast. You get up to 20 miles an hour. So the car is coming at you at 45 miles an hour. You're running away from it at 20 miles an hour. How fast is the car bearing down on you now? We're doing a little algebra this morning. Anybody know? 25 miles per hour, right, right. So you're running 20 miles an hour, it's coming at you 45. If you're running away from it consistently, it will, the pace it's coming after you now is 20 miles per hour. Okay, my mind, it's hard to, 25 miles per hour. So let's say now you're in the middle of null and you see light coming at you. Of course, if you see it, it's already hit you. So let's say it's coming and, um, and you decide to run away from it. So you turn around and you run. It's coming at you at 186,000 miles per second. You turn around to run the other direction and you get going let's say really fast. Let's say you get up to 50,000 miles per second, right? You're booking it. And you turn around, how fast is light coming after you? Well, if if you take the car example, it it should be slower, right? But that's not how light operates. If you turn around, it's still coming at you at the same rate of speed. And this is a mystery to us. This is, it doesn't kind of follow the laws of physics. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Maybe one of the reasons Jesus said that is because he is always pursuing you. It doesn't matter how fast you run away, how hard you push away from him. He is always coming after you in the same way, in the same speed, offering you his light and his love. And before God created everything that we see and know, the Bible tells us that the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep. Formless, empty, and dark. What does God do first? God saw that and he said, let there be light and there was light. Does he bring order to the chaos? No, he doesn't do that first. Does he fill up the emptiness with animals and mountains? No, he doesn't do that first. The first thing he does is fill up the darkness with light. He illuminates the darkness with light. Physical dark and physical light are an illustration of our spiritual realities. And the first thing God wants to do is bring us spiritual light. He wants to bring hope and peace and comfort and forgiveness Whatever is needed in our lives to push the darkness away, the the rebellion, the the sin of our lives, the ways that we push away from God. He wants to meet us in that and bring light to those dark places. Jesus said, I am the light. And when we decide to follow the way of Jesus, the pattern of life that he lived, the example of faith that he is to us, he brings light to our spiritual darkness. And things change. We can see things that we couldn't see before. We can experience things we couldn't experience before. His light chases the darkness away, and we are in the light. Did you know that the sun and the moon are God's, God's temporary plan to bring light to our world? They're not the long-term plan. The last book of the Bible, Revelation, we read these words, the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light. 
and the Lamb is the lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. The nations will walk by the light of the Lamb. Jesus is the light. He is the Lamb. And Jesus is the Lamb because he lays his life down for us. He freely gave himself that we might have everlasting life, that we might be forgiven. And this idea of walking in the light as the nations walk in the light, it takes me back to the first letter that John wrote to the church 2,000 years ago. God moved John's heart and mind, and he wrote these words. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. In a world of of spiritual darkness, we believe that there is a light that has come that helps us know how to walk. And when we walk in the light, it means that we love one another, that we think of the other person, we care for one another. We don't hate, we love. But when we don't love others, when we treat them as less, when we look over them, John says, we're walking in darkness. We're not acting in love. Love is like a a light switch on the wall that we turn on and illuminates our lives. The Life Application Bible Commentary puts it this way. With a flick of the wall switch, the light chases away shadows, reassuring the child that her monsters were only imaginary. Another switch turns on a powerful battery-powered beam and keeps the hiker on the trail after dark. Other lights warn and guide, illuminate, regulate, and decorate Light, pure and bright, cuts through the darkness, exposing reality and demanding attention. Those who walk in the light see clearly and know where to go. But those who walk in darkness grope and stumble and turn the wrong way. Spiritually speaking, we want to walk in the light. We want want to know where to put our next foot. We want to be able to see what's going on. We don't like stumbling around in the darkness of life. We don't like the unknowns. We don't like being caught off guard. We don't like being stuck and stumbling. Jesus is the light. And when we follow him, we walk in the light. He's our second light this morning. We walk in the light. Jesus is the light and he invites us to walk in the light. It's a choice we have every day. A choice we make every morning when we wake up. That I want to be light today in my world. I want to bring love and grace and kindness to those around me. Jesus is the light of the world and he allows us to walk in his light and to bring his light. And instead of stumbling around in the darkness, in a spiritual blindness where we don't love others. In John chapter 8, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And in the very next chapter, chapter 9, he says it again. But he says it in relationship to a healing that's taking place, a man that was born blind. If you want to open up your Bibles with me, we're going to look at John chapter 9, verse 1, and a few verses after that to about verse 7. Jesus is is, uh, along the way, as he often was. He's on the road. Verse 1, it says, as Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? It's a common way of thinking back then, that if there was a hardship in your life, there is a brokenness in your physical body that is probably because you did something wrong. There's something you did or your parents did that dishonored God and caused you to have to deal with this struggle, this hardship, whatever it might be. 
And so Jesus' disciples say, so who messed up? This man or his parents? You know, when you, when you lost a job, when you got in an accident, when the doctor came back and said it's terminal, people would assume back in Jesus' day that you messed up in some way. And, and today, you know what? Sometimes we do the same thing. We think the same way. When life gets hard, we figure God's trying to punish me for something or get my attention or whatever it might be. I've messed up and he's holding, you know, he's doing something to me. But Jesus corrects this wrong understanding. Verse 3, he says, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. Jesus said, this man is blind not because of sin, but because God's glory is going to be revealed. Because God wants to display his power, his love, his presence in this man's life so that others might see that. Jesus says, sometimes when you go through hardships and suffering, it's because God wants to be displayed. He wants to reveal himself to you and to those around you. And Jesus said, this is the work we have. This is the work we're about He's speaking to his followers here that we're revealing God to the world around us. And he says, night's coming. There's not a lot of time to, time to do this. So we need to be revealing God to those around us. In verse 5, he says, while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground and made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Salome. The word means sent. So the man went, was sent, and washed, and came home seeing. Jesus heals his blindness, and it's an illustration for us of how he wants to heal our spiritual blindness, how he wants to bring spiritual sight to those who are listening to him. He wanted those following him to walk in light, which means loving those around them. And the rest of chapter 9 here, it kind of plays out this idea of spiritual sight and spiritual blindness with people that think they can see spiritually, but actually cannot. Jesus heals this man, and it happens on a Sabbath day. And so right after this happens, the religious leaders of the day, they kind of enter into their own little episode of law and order. Dum, dum. You know, they want to figure out what happened. How did this man get healed on the Sabbath day? How did it happen? What, what was, you know, how did it play out? And they began to ask questions. And we wonder why Jesus made mud. Like Jesus healed people in all sorts of ways. He would touch them and bring healing. He would speak words over them and they would be healed. Sometimes they would touch him and they would be healed. And here we see him spit and make mud and smear it on the eyes of this blind man. I feel sorry for this guy, right? Could have happened any other way, but this is how Jesus chose to heal him. And one of the reasons he did it is because it was on a Sabbath day. And the religious leaders of that day had a list of rules of things you can do and can't do on the Sabbath. And Jesus knew that working in the ground, working in the soil, was not allowed on the Sabbath day. And so simply by spitting on the ground and turning that soil over into mud, it was work and the religious leaders would be help- they couldn't figure it out. How could you dishonor God on the Sabbath and yet bring healing to someone else? It didn't make sense to them. They thought they could see spiritually, but Jesus was helping them see that they were actually blind guides. They were not helping the people know God. So these Pharisees, they question this formerly blind man, and then they dismiss him, and they bring in his parents, and they question them, and they dismiss them, and they bring the blind man back in. They start to hound him with more questions. I'm thinking, he just wants to celebrate this healing His world has changed. He can see shapes and colors. He can see the face of his parents for the first time. He can see the mountains. He can see the water as he's washing his eyes out. The Sabbath mud that Jesus made, taking out of his eyes. And instead of love, the religious leaders treat him as a case of mishealing. That this is like mistaken grace given to the wrong person. If he's blind, he's supposed to be blind, they think. 
What is happening here? They pepper him with more questions. Eventually he says, look, I don't know who this person is. I couldn't see him when he told me to go wash. I don't know who this Jesus is that you're talking about. All I know is I used to be blind and now there's light. I used to be in the darkness, but now I can see. And then he says, maybe you want to be followers of Jesus. And they don't like that at all. So they kick him out. Jesus finds him later on and says, I'm the one. And the man becomes one of his followers. And Jesus says this to him, for judgment, I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. And Jesus is talking about spiritual reality here, not physical sight and physical blindness. He's saying those that are spiritually blind will be able to see. And those that think they have spiritual sight will realize that they are actually blind. He says, you have this choice every day to walk in the light to allow God's grace to flow through you, to be a blessing to others. Jesus says, I can bring you this kind of spiritual sight, this, this, this ability to love others genuinely and honestly from your heart, even when you've been through hardship in life, even when you've suffered and gone through painful seasons, the goodness and grace of God can so fill you up that you're able to be loving to those around you. The blind man had this choice of going and washing out the blood, I mean the, the mud, going and washing out the mud, and and he chose to do it. And we have the same choice every day, to wash out of our eyes the mud of of, of self-righteousness, of pride, the mud of judgmentalism and selfishness, these things that get in the way of a shining light, being love to those around us. As we choose to walk in the light, as Jesus is in the light, we can become light for others can illuminate the world. We can reveal the glory of God. We can be like mirrors reflecting his light to those around us, helping others see his light. Paul wrote a letter to his friends in Corinth and wrote these words down. For God who said, let the light shine out of darkness, the same God who made the light, he made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. God created physical light, and he creates spiritual light, and he continues to create it in us. Jesus is the light. He invites us to walk in the light so that we can share the light. That we can shine out. Jesus talks about this in his message on the mountainside in Matthew chapter 5. And I want to read this to you from a paraphrased version of the Bible called The Message. Jesus, before a crowd of people, he says, you are here to be light. Bring out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. And how, how does this shining take place? What does it look like when we shine? He says, keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Just keep open house. Be generous with your lives. I love that idea. It's not easy, always easy being generous with our lives. Sometimes we think we don't have anything to offer. Sometimes we think, you know, I can't really make a difference in someone else's life. We don't think we've got the substance to do it. We have a hard enough time figuring out our own lives. How am I going to be helpful in someone else's life. We put all this pressure on ourselves to help people get right spiritually. When all that Jesus asks is that we allow his love to flow through us, that we don't hold it back, that we open up and that we're generous with what he's done in our lives. We don't fix anything. We don't change anyone. We can't transform hearts. 
but we can be with people. We can love others well. We can share the light that God has placed in our lives, in dark places. When's a time in your life when someone brought light into a dark season that you were in? When's a time someone showed up when you were going through hardship, when you were going through struggle, what some people might think of as darkness, and they brought light to that dark place? I think it would be wonderful if maybe one or two of you would be willing to share a little story with us this morning of how God brought light to your darkness through someone else. And I've got a microphone here, so does anyone have a story they would like to share of a way that God brought light into the darkness of your world when you were going through hardship and challenge? Okay, Kathy would like to. So my mom just passed away last Wednesday, and there are a few people, like Nate and Jessica and another good friend, that prayed for me and brought light to a dark, difficult time. It really made a difference. Thanks, Someone else would like to share? Okay. Well, those of you that have been here um, longer than two years know that for months and months I wasn't in this building, I wasn't in the Word. The darkness of depression was horrible. And um, two years ago, a friend said to me, Marianne, I don't know how you're going to do it, but you need to get rid of the darkness of, or the stronghold of depression. And that didn't make me very happy. But um, God changed me. And... Um, that will be two years ago, the end of this March, that the, cha- the change took place. Guys, so good. Yeah, awesome. Maybe one more? As God brought light in a dark season of your life. Yeah, I don't know if um, my husband retired, then went back to school, because that's what he does. And um, then he got a job offer in Salem, Oregon. And I did not want to go. I don't want to (laughs) go. But um, I was talking to a friend of mine about it, and she just looked me. She's a Christian, very strong Christian friend of mine. And she just looked me straight at the eye, and she said, you know what you have to do, right? And I just thought, all right, we're going to Salem. So... um, that was just, she, she shut, it was, we had a longer conversation than that, but it was all biblically based, and uh, yeah, we're going to Salem, and now I'm excited, yeah. so. Thanks, Harley. Thank you. It's, um, some, sometimes when we think about bringing light to others, we think it's, it's a heavy, it's a big thing, and really it's, it's simple, small little things that you do to show up for people. A phone call, a text, a coffee, a lunch. Just letting people know that you're with them. Some of you know people that are going through dark seasons right now. You know they're going through difficult things and heavy things. And Jesus, who is the light, invites us to walk in the light so that we can share the light. What, what's the way that God might be calling you to be with someone today, to bring light to them? And some of you here this morning, you, you're feeling heavy. You're feeling darkness. You're feeling fear and anxious about things going on in your world. I just want to remind you this morning that God is light, that he is with you, that you are not alone. You've heard just a couple stories this morning. People go through things that you are going through. We have been there with you. 
we are there with you now. And we're alongside you. So just know that this light that comes into our world that God created, this light that comes into our spiritual reality that brings us forgiveness and life with God, that it is real, it is with you today. That God is alongside you. That there is hope, there's forgiveness, and there's joy, no matter what you're facing. Let's thank God for that. Let's ask him to help us see what he's calling us to do, how we can bring light today to other people. And let's trust him for it. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your presence with us right now. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the light of the world, that you came to people who were walking in darkness, and you helped us find a new way. You brought forgiveness to us. And Father, as people who are now in the light, we ask that you would help us reflect and share that light with others, that you would remind us what that looks like today. What is it you're calling us to do and to be in this world? Father, we know we can't change anyone's life, but we are available to you. We want to live generously. We want to live with open homes, open lives to those around us. Help us know how how we should do that today. Fill us with your light. Fill us with your peace and your joy and your forgiveness, your kindness, your gentleness your truth, your self-control. Help us to know that you've invited us this day out of darkness and into the light. Thank you, Father God, for creating light and creating us for you. We want to know you today. And we can know you because of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.